Let's pray and let's open up God's word and see what he wants to say to us from Ephesians 5 this morning. Bring your power upon us now, Lord. I need your help. Give me wisdom. Help me to think straight and not get sidetracked, not go off on things that are not going to be helpful, but to really be led by you, Holy Spirit. Give me, give me the heart I need to love your word more, to love the flock here more, and give us hearts to love your word more and to trust your lordship more and do a mighty work in everyone here, singles, marrieds, give them something, Lord, from this morning's teaching to, to be strengthened and encouraged by. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're doing a series called Grace-Based Marriage. And uh, my longing is that through the series, um, every marriage here would experience Jesus' grace, uh, strengthening you in your marriage, transforming your marriage, whatever's needed. And this, this is so vital, because if your marriage is in pain, if it's in crisis, I mean, that'll, that'll suck the energy out of you following Jesus, right? It'll, it'll be difficult for your spouse, It'll, it'll keep us as a church advancing. I mean, church is built upon strong, Christ-centered, gospel-centered singles and marriages. Okay? That's what a church is built upon. And so if marriages are weak, the church will be sputtering, the foundation will be weak. We want to see gospel-centered, Christ-centered marriages filling the South Bay area. And so that's one of the reasons we're doing this series is so we can experience Christ's grace, strengthening our marriages and transforming them. Now, this morning, I want to, this morning, I want to talk about roles. If, if you're clear on what the Bible says your role should be as husband, as wife, that'll, be, go, that'll take you a long ways towards strengthening your marriage. But if you're not clear on what your role is as husband or what your role is as wife, there will be confusion. There will be conflict. There will be difficulty that doesn't need to be there and that wouldn't be there if you were clear on roles. So what I want to talk about this morning is husbands, what is your role as the husband? And and wife, what is your role as the wife? Now there's two very different ways this question is answered. I want you to just get a sense of what's happening in the Christian culture that we're living in, at least in this country. There's two different ways that question is answered. The first way is what's called the egalitarian position. I think these are some theological terms that are worth knowing just so that you have some cognizance of what's going on. The egalitarian position says there is no difference in the husband's role and the wife's role. Um, The husband is not the head of the wife. The husband does not have primary responsibility for leadership, for protection, for provision. The egalitarian position would say that the husband and wife share all responsibilities equally together jointly. Okay? That's the egalitarian position. And that's how I started off in our marriage, with the egalitarian position. That's what I'd been taught that by influential people in my life, and that's what I was pursuing. But then, one day, I attended a debate on this topic And the first gentleman that that stood up to debate was arguing for the egalitarian position. And he read passages where Paul talks about the husband being the head of the wife. And he said that in those passages, Paul is not giving absolute truth for all time. What Paul is doing as a smart missionary 
is helping churches adapt to their culture so that they would have bridges to the culture and not offend people. And since in that culture, husbands were the head of the wife, the churches should adapt that so that they would connect with the culture and not be offensive to the culture. But then he went on to say that since in today's culture, headship is not a big issue, we don't need to worry about that anymore. And so headship is not an issue anymore. And and that, that seemed... Plausible to me. I mean, Paul was a missionary. He does sometimes talk about becoming all things to all people. And it's, okay, that, you know, that, that made some sense. Until I heard what the second man got up to say. Blew me away. He just simply said to the first man, I appreciate what you're saying, but Paul never says that. It's not what Paul actually says. When Paul says that the husband is, is the head of the wife, he never gives that as the reason. He gives a reason You haven't said it. The reason Paul gives for why the husband should be head of the wife, two of them. One, to demonstrate that how Christ is the head of the church. That's the reason Paul gives. And then the second reason Paul gives in Colossians is because this is what's fitting in the Lord. See the big difference? The reason is not because this is what works in our culture today. So it's a temporary teaching for some people at some times in some cultures. The reason it's given is because this is how we men are called to demonstrate Christ in the church because this is what's fitting in the Lord, not in the culture, in the Lord. Now, do you feel the difference? So what the second man was simply saying is we should focus on the reasons Paul does give, not come up with reasons we think are in his mind that he never says. Hello, are you feeling that? Rocked me. And I walked away saying, I've been wrong. (laughs) I've been wrong. It seemed plausible, but Paul never says that reason. The reason Paul says is timeless reasons, transcultural reasons. I'm called in my relationship with Jan to demonstrate Christ's headship with the church and to do what's fitting in the Lord. So I went back home. I told Jan. She said, yep, she knew. Anyway, and... uh, So we changed. Now, our conviction is that Jan and I are absolutely equal before Jesus. She is created in the image of God. I'm created in the image of God. We both are equally saved through Jesus, equally loved by the Father. Okay? But we have different roles. I'm called to be the head of the house and the family, which means that I'm called to exercise loving leadership. I have primary responsibility, not sole responsibility, but primary responsibility for leadership, for provision, for protection in the home. So my role is to be the loving leader. Jan's role is to be the respectful follower. That's how it works. That's called the complementarian position. Complement with an E. Okay, not compliment with an I where you say something affirming to somebody, but compliment where you have two different entities who when they come together make a perfect whole. Different, but when they're together, they perfectly support each other's strengths, weaknesses, they fit together. Picture like this, dancing with stars. Okay? Now, if anybody watch Dancing with Stars, now if you see a couple who's just tearing it up, I mean, they are amazing. And, and the judges just like their mouths are dropping. They're just stunned. When you watch a couple that is just flawless in their dance routine, that's the picture it, you're watching them. Is there any sense 
that one of them is inferior to the other. Is there? No. Is there any sense that one of them isn't really needed in the process? No. Is there any sense that one of them is is not really that important for what's going on? Is there any sense that one of them is being limited in any way? There isn't. And yet, the man is always leading and the woman is always following. And the result is harmony and unity and beauty. That's what marriage should be. You see that? Now, let's go to the Word and take a look. Ephesians chapter 5. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. I'd like each of you to have a copy of the Bible so you can see this for yourself in black and white. Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 23. Ephesians 5 is on page 978 in the Bibles that we're passing out. So I want to start off with the husband's role. From this passage, what does Paul say the husband's role should be? Page 978. Start reading in verse 22. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. So I'm going to talk about the husband's role, make four points, talk about the wife's Wife's role, a couple points, and then open it up for some questions, because the questions are always really helpful to, to work on some of these things. So start with Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Do you, do you feel how transcultural that is? Okay. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Okay, so the husband is to be the head of the wife. Now, some people, uh, especially of the egalitarian persuasion, would say that the word head here means source. Okay? And just two quick thoughts on why I don't think that's helpful. One is, the evidence in the Greek for the word source is very thin. And the evidence for leadership is massive. Okay? Okay, but, but the second reason is much more obvious. You don't know Greek. I don't want you just to take my word for this. I think you can see the second reason right here in the text. What does the word head mean here in this passage? In the passage, what does it mean? It means a physical head and a body, Right? That's what it means here. It's talking about a physical head. What Paul is saying is, as Jesus is the head of the body, the church, okay, Jesus is the physical head, the church is his body, the husband is the head of his wife. So, what does a head, your physical head, do in relation to the rest of your body? Leadership? Okay, now my head just told me to do that, all right? Ooh, I'm not a dancer, but anyway, okay? All right? So all that comes from, from the head. There's leadership there. So the word head in this passage, we don't need to worry about kind of um, minutia of what Greek words may or may not mean. Again, that's important, but you can't see that. I want you to be able to see this for yourself. And in the English version, the word head in this verse is talking about your physical head and how it relates to the physical body. So the husbands are the physical head and the wife is the body. And so the husband is to give leadership. Can you see that? It's really simple and, and clear here in this passage. 
So the husband's role is to lead his wife. Now, it's not because the husband is smarter or more spiritual or more close to Jesus than the wife is. I don't know why God has chosen the men to be the leaders, but he has, okay? And so the responsibility, men, is on you to lead your wife and family. You bear the primary responsibility to lead when it comes to what's happening financially, when it comes to how you're raising your kids, when it comes to your schedule, when it comes to your your involvement in a home group, when it comes to what's happening spiritually in your family, how your kids are responding to mom, just everything you're responsible for. Now, leadership then means seeking to influence in the directions you think God's calling you to go. Leadership does not mean making your wife do anything. Can we be really clear on that? Can we be really clear on that? Okay. You're not called to make your wife do anything. You're called to pray. You're called to speak. You're called to model. You're called to appeal. And that's all you can do. Okay? You never make your wife do anything. That's totally screwed up idea. If you get you're supposed to be making your wife do something, you're leading the way Jesus led the church. Okay, so the responsibility is on you to, to lead in the financial area, in terms of what your ministry to the neighborhood is going to be. So this doesn't mean then that you go off kind of on your own and think in your own mind, you know, you kind of go back to your cave. Now, what are we supposed to be doing? We'll do this, 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 this. And you come out and you, and you announce your, you know, your dictates to the family. That's not smart leadership, okay? Man, your wife is really, really smart, okay? She knows the Bible. She knows Jesus. You should first sit down with her and say, "Hun, can we talk about like what's going on financially? Here's what we're seeing. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? A smart leader will listen to his wife and get counsel from his wife. Hello? Right? Right, women? Okay. Right, men? Yeah. All right, man. It's good. So get counsel. That's what a smart leader will do. Now, since God has called you to be the leader, if there's a difference of opinion and a decision has to be made, now, listen to this carefully, man, you have the burden of making the final decision. And it's a burden. If you're thinking, yes, you're not getting it. You are not getting it. It should drive you to your knees because Jesus will hold you accountable for whatever decision you make. The burden of the final decision is on you if there's a difference of opinion and the decision has to be made right now. But the point is, husband, lead your wife. Lead. Quick example. So I've been burdened lately about how we need to be more outgoing in our neighborhood, more, more connected, you know, making more connections. And so I've been sharing this with Jan, and she's, she's been excited about it. So, but, but again, I'm trying to take the initiative. Okay, My job is to lead. What are we doing in our neighborhood? Jan shouldn't have to be pushed me. What are we doing in our neighborhood? Come on, hon, let's do something. This should be coming from me. I'm the leader. Okay, I should be initiating. And so last night, sat down at dinner, and we prayed and started to eat, and Jan, and Jan said, I've got an idea for how we could do this. And man, it was a much better idea than mine was. I mean, this was awesome. We won't tell you yet, because we want to fine-tune a little bit here. But, but I mean, my idea, compared to hers, was just totally dorky. But, but see, the point, the point is, so men, if you go with your wife's idea, it doesn't mean you're not being the leader. Okay, I initiated this. I brought this to the table. I shared the burden the Holy Spirit was putting upon my heart. She had a much better idea on how to do it 
Is that a win or what? Okay, we're dancing. We're looking good. Okay, we're not going to win Dancing with Stars, but we're, we're doing all right. Okay, so, that, so lead your wife. Now keep going in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husband's role is to love, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself up for her. Now, now don't get the idea that this means that whatever your wife wants, you give to her. Okay? Women, would that be helpful? Thank you. I'm going to be What are you going to say? Okay. Uh, what it means, though, what it means is that you always put your wife first before you. That's what it means. You always put her first. You nail your selfishness to the cross. That's what it means. Did Jesus ever put himself first at the cost of the church? Did he ever put himself first at the cost of the church? Ray, Ray said no. Okay. Never did. He gave himself up for the church. He died for the church. The cross, Jesus being nailed to the cross, is the picture of what the leadership of the husband towards the wife should look like. Love. Laying your life down, love. Being nailed to the cross, love. Always sacrificing yourself for her. Putting her first. You're always asking, what does she need? How can I help? How can I serve? Now at this point, if you're not feeling inadequate... You're not hearing what I'm saying. This is brutal. Okay? The kind of headship Jesus calls us to is brutal and glorious and Christ-magnifying and possible through his grace, which we'll talk about in a moment. But love your wife. Love your wife. Okay, third Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. The husband's role is to pastor his wife. You're called to, to pastor, to be her pastor, to pray for her. Men, do you labor in prayer? For Jesus to strengthen your wife and to comfort your wife and to bless your wife and to satisfy your wife and himself and to fill your wife. Do you labor in prayer for your wife? You have to. Pray for her. You don't know all that God would do and the, the wonders that God would do in your wife's soul as you devote yourself to prayer for your wife. Pray for her. Pray with her. Sit down with her and say, Hun, let's, let's bring this before Jesus. Let's, let's talk to the Lord about this. How can I pray for you? Here's how you can pray for me. Your wives would love to have you do that. Pray with your wife. Share scripture with your wife. Just wash her with the gospel. Bless her with the cross. Remind her of God's love for her. Remind her of God's promises. Not in kind of a slap on a solution way, but in a caring, empathetic, real-hearted way when she's worried, when she's fearful, when she's struggling. Bathe her in the gospel. 
Tell her about Jesus. Talk to her about Jesus. Remind her about Jesus. Just bless your wife with who Jesus is. Be her pastor. It's not, well, she's got her walk with the Lord and I got my own walk with the Lord. Well, she does and you do and he calls you to pastor her. Okay, so do. Be your pastor. In verses 28 and 29, one more point on husband's role. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Okay, that word nourish I looked at how that word was used in other passages. It's, it's feeding. It's, it's providing for. The, the point here is that the husband's role is to provide for his wife. So men, God has given you primary responsibility to provide for your wife. Okay? Financially. To give her food to eat. To give her clothes to wear. To give her a roof over her head. God's called you to that. Now that raises lots of questions. Okay? Like... Um, what if my income isn't enough to live on? Or what if my, what if, what if I'm disabled and, and I'm not able to work? And what I would encourage you to do, bring all these questions before Jesus. You bring them before Jesus, men. With your wife, bring them before Jesus. Just get it all on the table. Tell her, you know, I, I want to bear responsibility for providing. Here's what's going on. Bring these things before Jesus. Proverbs 31 gives a clear example of, of, of a woman working. Okay, there's nothing wrong with with the woman working, but what's best for your kids is to have mom at home. That's best. What your kids need more than, than a higher standard of living is they need mom at home. Okay, right? I mean, that's, that's key. Now, there may be seasons where this is less than ideal, okay, where the situation isn't all that you're hoping that it'll be. Jesus will guide and he will provide. He has a plan. He has a plan. He'll let, he'll let you know what the plan is. I remember, and he'll work in amazing ways. I remember when Anna was going to start at Berkeley, we needed more money to do our part in helping her with that. And so we were praying for, for a job for Jan, and God did the most amazing thing. He provided exactly, if I remember, the, the, the grade that Jan wanted to teach and the amount of money that we needed for Anna's first year and she was, got the job at the school that Brad was attending. He was, it's PFA, Pioneer Family Academy. It's a homeschool school. And so she drove him to school. She taught, drove him home from school Tuesday, drove him to school Thursday, taught, drove him back from school Thursday. So she was teaching when he was away, and she was home when he was home. And it was, it was amazing. Win, 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 win. It was win all the way through. But so the point is, Jesus will help you know what to do. He will guide you. He will direct you. So men, you need to feel two things. You're responsible. Feel the primary responsibility for provision that's put in you by God. If it's somehow gotten away from you, stir it up. Feel that. Feel the weight of that. And then feel the promises and the grace of Jesus. He will guide. He'll provide. He will lead He will help. He will work. You're not on your own. Feel the responsibility and bring your sense of responsibility to Jesus and say, how are we going to do this? And he will make it work. Okay, so putting all those together. Husband's role is to be the loving leader who pastors and provides for his wife and family. 
That's your role as the head of the household. Now, like I said earlier, you should be feeling a sense of inadequacy at this point. Um, How am I going to have the time, the energy, the resource, the wisdom to do that? And that's exactly how you should be feeling at this point. And the answer is by sinking your roots deep into the grace of Jesus Christ. Apart from him, John 15, what can you do? Quiz time, men. John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, men, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Okay, so are you feeling the nothing? Are you feeling like, I can't do this? Yes, okay, you're right, you can't. Sink your roots deep into Jesus' grace. Are you feeling your failures in this? Whenever I teach on this, I always get hammered with my failures the the days prior to teaching this. So bring those to the cross and receive Jesus' forgiveness afresh. He loves you. He will forgive you. He will wash you clean. Don't walk in guilt. You're feeling guilty now, some of you? Bring it before the Lord Jesus. Confess it. Repent. Let him wash you clean. Okay? And then sink your roots deep into his promise of strength, his promise of wisdom, his promise of guidance, his promise of heart satisfaction, his promise of comfort, his promise of everything you need to fulfill his call upon you. So don't go out and try to do this on your own. Sink your roots deep into into Christ. And you'll be able to be a loving leader who pastors and provides for, for your wife. Okay? Man, that's your call. Now, what's the woman's role? It's right there in verse 22. And just one word Paul uses for women, and that's to submit to to your husbands as to the Lord. I like to kind of summarize that. If the men are called to loving leadership, the women are called to respectful followership. So what does that mean? I I thought and prayed, how should I explain this? And I thought, I'm just going to bring up four scenarios so that you can see what submission does and does not look like in, in different scenarios, okay? And then we'll see if this raises some other questions that, that we can try to, to answer. So, one scenario, let's just take a scenario where your husband is not leading, okay? Let's say, for example, he gets laid off from his work and is, is not employed, and, and he's not looking for work. He's just not looking for work. I mean, Jesus has called him to be responsible, to bear primary responsibility for provision, and, and he's, he's simply not, not looking for work. Now, you might think that submission means just doing nothing. I don't think it's what submission means in that situation, and here's why. Notice in verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, that is, as you submit to the Lord. Your primary authority in your life is the Lord. Right? Women, your primary authority in your life is the Lord. Okay, right? And what does the Lord call you to do in the body of Christ when a brother or a sister is sinning? What does he call you to do, women, as a sister in Christ? He calls you to go to the person and help them, right? I'm not seeing enough nodding heads here yet, okay? Just in the body of Christ, because your husband is your husband. He's also your brother in Christ, And if you see a brother sinning in humility, it's not because you've got it all together, but Jesus commands you in your brokenness, in your humility, yes, you've got your own sin issues you're dealing with, but you're commanded to go and to, to talk with him. And so Jesus would call you, go and talk to your husband about this in a respectful, submissive 
way. But submission does not mean not saying anything. Submission means going and saying something in a respectful way. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's a couple steps. First of all, you yourself, before you talk to your husband, sink your roots deep into Jesus' grace so that your anger or your frustration or your unforgiveness is washed away. We talked about forgiveness last week. Maybe read Matthew 18 again. But sink your roots deep into Jesus so that you are strong. Submissive women, according to the scriptures, are not wimpy. They, I love the description of Sarah in 1 Peter 3, they hope in God and are not troubled by any fear. That's submissive women. That's Sarah, your older sister in the faith. Okay, So you've got your own relationship with Jesus. Sink your roots deep into Jesus so you are fearless. You know the future is awesome. No matter what your husband does, you are secure. You will be taken care of by Jesus. You are free. Feel that? So you're, you're not talking to him to get something off your chest. You're at peace. You're strong in Jesus. And then pray earnestly for your husband. I was talking earlier about husbands praying for wives. You, you also pray for your husband. We need your prayer. Ask Jesus to change his heart. Ask Jesus to convict him of his sin. Maybe there's insecurities, there's fears. Ask Jesus to help him with whatever it is. And if your husband still doesn't go look for work, then then talk to him. And talk to him respectfully. And talk to him lovingly. Don't blow up or argue or, you know, whatever. Say something like, I have no idea, but I imagine it's very, very hard to be laid off. And, hon, I am really sorry. And I love you. And Jesus loves you. And Jesus is going to help you. He will provide you a job, hon. He will. But you need to look for a job. I love you, but I need to tell you, if you don't, then you're sinning against Jesus. So please, I'm praying for you. How can I help? But you need to go look for a job. And then you let it go. And you keep praying. Okay? Now, did you feel the, the respect and the submissiveness in that conversation? Okay? Because that needs to be there. It needs to be respectful. Now, what if your husband still doesn't look for work? What do you do then? Well, I would suggest you follow the Matthew 18 passage again and, and have a, a brother maybe join you and go and talk to your husband. And if your husband still doesn't respond, then, then talk to the elders. Talk to... Talk to us, and Jerry and Tom and I, we'll, we'll talk to your husband. Okay? See, it's so wonderful to be, to be part of a church community. Jesus has given steps to take for these things. You're not alone in your marriage. You're part of a community of followers of Jesus. And Jesus has laid out steps to take when, when these kind of situations come up. Okay, a couple other more, more rapid illustrations. What if your husband's being selfish? There's a lot of overlap here with the last one. I was just going to throw out, like, if your husband just comes home every night, eats dinner, plops down in front of the TV, then goes to bed, there's no, like, time to gather the kids together and say, hey, let's, let's read the Bible together. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's pray together. What do you do? Same thing, okay? Sink your roots deep into Jesus. Pray for your husband. Appeal to your husband. And then, frankly, if your husband still won't do it, just say to your husband, you know, I'd, I'd much prefer to have you taking the lead here. But if you won't, then I think, because I, I love our kids, I think I need to start reading the Bible with them. But I'd, I'd rather have you be doing it, hon. So please do, but, but I'm going to go ahead. You're not, you're not 
forcing anything. You're just, you love your kids, right? That's totally appropriate to do. Okay, what if your husband's leading in a sinful direction? A little di- different example here. Like, what if he says, please sign on this fraudulent tax return. We're going to save a lot of money. Don't worry about it. I got it covered. What should you as a submissive wife do? You should not sign. I thought you were being submissive. Well, your primary submission is to Jesus. And Jesus tells you to obey the government. Okay? So it would be wrong for you to obey your lesser authority and disobey your greater authority. Right? So you need to say to your husband, first, again, sink your roots deep into Christ's grace. Be strong. Get fearless. Be at peace. Jesus is with you. He loves you. He's your protector. And you go to your husband and you say, I love following your lead. I would do anything to follow your lead except disobey my Lord Jesus. I can't do that. I can't sign. I wish you weren't asking me to do this. It breaks my heart not to be able to follow your lead, but I can't. I'm sorry. And you don't. That's submission. Do you feel that? One last example. What if he's leading in a foolish direction? Okay, try to think of some... It's kind of a goofy example, but let's say that, that he wants to take the family on a cruise and you don't think you can afford it. I did the best I could, okay? Jan wasn't sure it was a very good example, but anyway. I just went with it. Um, now, you might be tempted to argue with him about it, right? I mean, let's get real, okay? This isn't going to work. We don't have enough money for that. What are you thinking? I mean, the kids aren't going to enjoy this. They don't do skeet shooting, you know, whatever it might be. You know, so, so there's all these arguments, that's not what you should, that's not submission, okay? Arguing, fighting, you, you know, you, you trying to change his mind by keep bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up, that's not submission, okay? It's also not submission to say nothing because God has given you wisdom. So submission means humbly and lovingly bringing your concerns to him, all right? Not nagging or scolding or gossiping to everybody else about it, but you just... Write to him, humbly and lovingly, you bring up your concerns before him. Hon, I, I appreciate you wanting to do something good for the family. I just don't think we can afford this. All right? Would you reconsider? Would you just take this before the Lord? Ask him about it. Maybe seek some counsel. Go to the scriptures. Would you, would you pray? I will follow whatever you decide we should do. I'll support it. But I just want you to know at this point, I don't think it's the wisest. But whatever you decide, I will do. That's what you say. And then you sink your roots deep into Christ's grace. Oh, Jesus, protect our finances, you know. Give me peace. Give me grace. That's, that's the step you would take at that point. If it's just kind of leading into something that's foolish. Okay, let's see what questions this raised. I, I would think the exact same thing I just said. If it's sin, um, you have to say no it's black and white sin but if it's if it's just you know foolishness then then you share your 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 wisdom Can you, is there an example in mind i'll give you an example of what not to do jan and i know a couple this is years ago wife was christian husband was not we were connecting with them uh he was helping jan coach um girls basketball and stuff and he he very successful had a bunch of um franchises of a sandwich shop and he wanted to uh, invest in, in a bar and she thought that was sinful and she and she she wouldn't sign the loan documents i think it was a big mistake i don't think it's sinful i mean um 
and it anyway totally destroyed everything. Um, so I'm not sure that was a helpful step for her to take. Um, I mean, alcoholism is wrong, and we know that. But anyway, I just didn't think that was a wise thing for her to to do. I thought it would have been much wiser for her to sign and uh, to express her concerns, but then to sign that point. So I'm trying to think of it. So your, I mean, your question is really crucial. Is there another way to phrase it? Or can somebody throw out a scenario? My question would be, is he leading me into sin? You cannot sin against Jesus. You can't do that. So you need to go to him and say, "Hon, I want to follow your lead, but I can't because Jesus is my Lord. Um, if he's just leading you to something that's foolish, then I think you should share your wisdom and and uh, go with it. First Peter 3 is the passage that's directed towards um, believing wives who have an unbelieving husband, and it's a very encouraging passage. That's where that section is about Sarah, who hoped in God and wasn't troubled by any fears. I would encourage you not to see your money as your money or her money as her money. I would encourage you all to see each of your money as your plural money, first of all. Okay, that's, I would start there. So the fact that she's making more money now because your business has fallen off doesn't mean this is her money. And, and if you start making money, then that's your money. I don't, that's not helpful. Okay? You've got to see it as, as it's, it's both of your money together. Start there, number one. Okay? Number two, I think God would call you to bear a primary responsibility for the direction that you and Sharon are going in financially. Whether she's making more money or you're making more money doesn't make any difference there. Okay, you're doing what you can do. All right? So your authority... Your headship doesn't rise or fall depending on how much money you're able to make. It's God-given. You're doing what you can do. If you were a quadriplegic, you would still have the primary responsibility from God for where you're going financially in your marriage. Well, there's, there's two different ways of saying I trust you. One is saying, I think what you're saying makes sense. I see it. Let's do that. Or, I don't agree but I'm not going to make the final decision here. And brother, I would encourage you to talk with Sharon. Hello, Sharon. Sharon's back taking care of the kids this morning. Maybe the, maybe the four of us need to talk together, okay? But, and maybe some of, these of you can chip in on this too, but I think the two of you should sit down and talk and pray. The burden of making the final decision is on you. Jesus will, will, call, will ask you, what, what did you guys do vacation-wise? You should get Sharon's wisdom, Listen, understand. If you think she needs some more time away, maybe just let her go away and get some more time away. I mean, serve her, bless her, care for her, but you're responsible for what happens financially in your household. You are. And don't, don't relinquish that ever. doesn't mean that you don't think Sharon has wisdom. doesn't mean that you don't let her persuade you that maybe she's right. She may be right. But she's persuading you because you have final decision here. Does that make sense? It's not a matter of how much you're making versus how much she's making. And no, she doesn't see it that way at all. But just, you've got to be free. If you're not making as much money, don't let that diminish your call from God to be her loving leader. She needs you to lead in this. Listen to her. Get her counsel. Be sensitive. Does she need more rest time? If my wife said that, I think, Bing, there's got to be, if she needs more rest time, there's going to be a way to do it. How to do it cheap? I mean, if my wife says, I need another vacation... Whew, I'm all over that. I mean, I love her. I care for her. You do too. That's why, you, I mean, you love Sharon. But do not, in the course of that, relinquish your 
leadership financially. Find a way to let her get the rest she needs. And, and pray with her. Come to Jesus with her about this. Say, Jesus, what should we do? What do you want us to do? Okay, if you've got more questions, which I'm sure you do, um, email them to me, okay? And, or call me up. We can talk about them. But let me close in prayer for us now because it's quarter till. And we've got Mother's Day celebrations, don't we? Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will give us wisdom for all the complex issues and questions that are out there in real lives, real marriages. You'll give us grace. You'll give us wisdom. You love us. We'll have everything we need as we come before you, repent, confess, ask you for help. You will give us everything we need. The wives, all that they need. Us husbands, all that we need. As we sink our roots deep into your grace, you will do this. Apart from you, we can do nothing. When we are abiding in you, we can do everything you call us to do. So help us to put our main emphasis now, right now this morning, on sinking our roots deep into your grace, relying on you. Help us, Jesus. Help me Help each of us here to fulfill your call. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.